0: Just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers, it's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion, yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. I'm recording this in the... Early hours of a Monday morning, March 14th, headed into another week. No doubt it's going to be another fucking crazy week. It seems like every week's a crazy week for the last five years, so I should expect nothing less. But we'll be here to hopefully look at what's going on, try to distill it down to something that makes sense and that is accurate, and we'll try to convey it to you here or on TikTok. And that brings up something I wanted to mention. It seems like I've got to mention this or, to, or address it every four or five months, maybe every six months. If you've seen my TikToks, you know they're not a lot different than the podcast, and I tend to swear now and again. And for the most part, that isn't a problem. That's just me. That's the way I talk. But on TikTok, inevitably, I'll get someone coming on and say, I really like what you say, or I'd like to share your TikToks, but you really need to clean up your swearing. And I always answer the same way, and I'm not trying to be a jerk about this. I always say, no, I'm not going to do that. I mean, this is how I talk, like it or not. This is how I talk, whether I'm on a podcast or on TikTok or sitting in my living room. There's only two times when I really kind of filter what I'm saying. First of all, around my grandkids. I'm not going to talk like that around my grandkids, of course. And even if I wanted to, my wife and my daughter-in-law would kill me. So that's not going to happen. But for all those years I spent in radio, I had to have a filter. I couldn't swear like this, nor did I want to. But in addition to that, because I worked for somebody else, they limited a lot of things I could and couldn't say. You know, there might be some things I wanted to talk about, but I couldn't because they would stop me or they'd get angry or they'd fire me. And, you know, those are the rules you got to play by. You got to pay the bills. You got to do your job. Make sure your kids are fed and the lights are still on. So I did what I was supposed to do. And I did that for, you know, 35 years. So when I got out from under having to do that, to work for somebody else, and I decided to do TikToks and the podcast, I said, you know what? Nobody's going to tell me what I can and can't do. I'll take advice from listeners and viewers and followers and such, and I'll give it some credence, but I'm always going to do it the way I want to do it. I mean, I'm not getting paid a ton of money here, and I'm not working for anybody. So that's my option. And to those folks that want me to clean up my my swearing, I just want you to understand, this is me. And the fact that I'm portraying me in a real light is one of the main reasons why I'm doing the podcast and doing TikTok. So if you don't like my swearing, you probably don't like me. And if you don't like me, don't listen. Don't watch. I understand. I get it. It's not going to hurt my feelings. But if you can deal with the swearing or it doesn't bother you and Fact is, some fuckers like it. I don't know what that's about. But anyway, I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to say what I say the way I say it so I can be true to myself. Like it or not, that's the way it's going to be. So I apologize if you're offended, but it's not going to change. I am going to be who I am. And of course, we always have some emails coming in. I always tell folks if you want to reach out to me directly, just go to rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm. You can find the Rational Boomer podcast and leave a voicemail. And as luck would have it, we have an email. <laughs> and he starts out longtime listener, first time writer. <laughs> That's kind of a joke. If you've ever worked in talk radio or listened to talk radio, You get that all the time. Long-time listener, first-time caller. So he's kind of playing off that, you know? Anyway, he says, Hey, Mike, I'm Eric, 52 years old from Tacoma, Washington, the state. Yeah, I got that. You said Tacoma. (laughs) Eric, this is a smart crowd. This isn't a bunch of Trumplicans. They get it. (laughs) And I thought you should know that your podcast is one that I look forward to hearing. I always get excited when I see a new episode and will even save it to listen to later so I can pay attention while listening to lesser podcasts in the meantime. I appreciate that. I'm absolutely disgusted with the prior barely presidential administration and I'm eagerly awaiting any indictment that the DOJ doles out against anyone involved in the lawlessness of the Trump crime family, but especially especially useful Donnie. Trump himself. I'm not sure what he means by useful. I, you know, I, I've often said that Donald Trump was ba- basically a useful idiot to Vladimir Putin. That's probably what he's referencing. But he offers up some hashtags, as a lot of folks are doing these days. Hashtag Useful Don. Hashtag useful GOP. And hash- tag useful republicans. Thank you for your time you make for us listeners. No Eric, thank you for taking the time to listen. I am always amazed that people take out a part of their day to actually listen to the podcast. I appreciate it immensely and hopefully I I can offer some value to you or some entertainment of any any way uh with the podcast. So Eric, thank you for being a first time writer and I appreciate the info and I like the hashtags. I <laughs> honestly, I don't know where I'm going with this. I brought it up because I wanted to somehow tie together Russia and Republicans and make that stick to them going into the midterms because they don't like that. So that's why I want to do it. Um and I was trying to come up with shorter ideas for it, or more clever ideas. I had a couple, and it wasn't hard for you folks to come up with shorter and or clever ideas, and we've had many of them. But once we come up with them, I'm not sure what we do. Do we just tag them on everything we do on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and Facebook? Is that what we do? I don't know. It's kind of fun making fun of those fucking idiots, i got to tell you. So anyway, Eric, thanks for being a listener. Thanks for taking the time to uh, make your first email to us. Keep listening. I appreciate it. You're always welcome to write in and offer advice, suggestions, or complaints. I can't promise you I'm going to fix any of the complaints, but, you know, if I can give it a try, what the hell? (laughs) There's only, only one person I really listen to complaints from, and that's my wife. And, uh, You know, if I listen to the complaints, I respond to the complaints, and I fix the problem, then nobody gets hurt. So there's a lot of incentive for me to uh, pay attention to my wife. Well, let's talk about what's going on. Uh, Joe Biden, of course, we know he is committed to not engage with Russia militarily because of the risk of starting World War III. And I'm talking about in the Ukraine. There are many, many people saying it's time for America to get involved, protect the Ukrainians, all the European countries get in. Let's be perfectly honest. If the NATO countries all got together, went into Ukraine, they would wipe Russia out of there in short order. There's no comparison in size, in money, in weapons. Uh, the NATO countries would destroy the Russians in Ukraine. I mean, fuck, Ukraine is holding them off. So, they would have no chance against NATO, but here's the problem. And I don't know how much of a real problem it is. But the problem is assuming NATO gets involved with Russia, then allegedly we're in the midst of a third world war, which has its own problems. We got all of Europe at war with Russia, and that's going to be a fucking mess. But more importantly, It's a matter of, does it extend to a nuclear war? Now, we know America has all kinds of nuclear weapons. We know Russia has all kinds of nuclear weapons. Um, We have a mutually assumed destruction, both our countries. We know once the nuclear war starts, that it's pretty much over for everybody. So there's really no point in getting into the nuclear war. Now, that's... Fine if you can assume that both parties are sane and give a shit about the rest of the world. Now, we know Biden does. He wants to avoid uh, nuclear war at all costs. <clears throat> and for the longest time, you would have assumed the same for Vladimir Putin. Except now, we don't know because he's fucking nuts. He's acting nuts. And that's the question. Is he really just nuts? Is he sick? Or is he just acting nuts so that he gets an edge when he's using these threats of nuclear weapons? Who the fuck knows? Who the fuck knows? He's going to be 70, so he's getting a little older. Maybe he is sick. And if he is, maybe he doesn't care if he blows up the fucking world. He's going to die anyway. Or he's just using it as leverage in trying to play chicken with us. I don't know. But that's the problem. That's why... America and all the European countries aren't in Ukraine and stopping this thing right away. Now, um, President Zelensky keeps imploring NATO for more help. And I can understand that. His country is being destroyed by the Russians. People are being killed. Citizens are being attacked and murdered. What he wants them to do is close the airspace over Ukraine he says it's just a matter of time before Russia um, shoots off missiles or marches in someplace, and they step over the boundaries of a NATO nation. We know that Poland is right next to uh, to Ukraine, and that's the big concern. Now we know that uh, Joe Biden has said that if Russia steps one inch into a NATO country, then we will feel they will feel the full. Force and power of 30 NATO nations. And then, of course, what we have is the Third World War. But here's the thing if Putin is nuts, he's bombing the shit out of Ukraine. If Zelensky is telling us, don't get too cocky, because if he comes through Ukraine, he's probably going to the NATO nations. I mean, he's already fucked up. He's already pretty much uh, put a nail in his coffin. What's he got to lose at this point? Now, just yesterday, Russian missiles were fired on a military installation just west of Lviv. I think I'm pronouncing that properly. Now, the problem with that is this is just 15 miles from the Polish border. One miscalculation from what appears to be an incompetent army, army, and one of those missiles could have landed in Poland. And if those missiles land in Poland, well, then we have World War III. The question is, do you try to stop it now, or do you wait until it's too late? Meaning, we're going to get you if you step into a NATO nation, we're going to get you if you stop into a NATO nation, and then they charge into a NATO nation, and then you start fighting and trying to beat them back. Here's the thing when we first heard about the invasion into Ukraine, we had Russia setting up troops all around the border, 200,000 of them. They said they weren't going to attack. And, of course, we knew they were lying. And everybody was saying, Joe Biden was saying, you step into Ukraine and we're going to hit you with sanctions. But they had to step into Ukraine before those sanctions would take effect. And I always wondered if if you've got somebody threatening you, isn't it better to try to stop them before they actually commit the act as opposed to waiting for them to commit the act and then sanctioning them? I thought when Joe Biden was talking about this before they invaded Ukraine, that we should start hitting them with sanctions. Maybe that would deter them from going into Ukraine, because even if they were only in there for a day or two, they were going to do some heavy destruction to Ukraine, and people were going to die, people were going to be displaced. Wouldn't you want to try to avoid that? But that's not what America, that's not what Europe did. They said, you go in there, we're going to sanction the fuck out of you. And that's what they did. But now Russia's been in there for two weeks, or so going on three weeks We've got tons of people dead, both Russian and Ukrainian. We've got buildings destroyed, cities leveled. We've got all kinds of problems. Now, if we could have avoided that with some sanctions ahead of them going into Ukraine, wouldn't that have been better? And then wouldn't that have been easier for Vladimir Putin to back out of? I mean, once he's in Ukraine and he's fighting, he's acting like a tough guy, it's hard to pull back from that and not look like you're being a coward or chicken or giving up. And we know that's nothing that Vladimir Putin would ever consider doing. Wouldn't it have made sense to uh, install these sanctions, or at least some of them, before they went into Ukraine? But they chose not to do that. Okay, let's learn a lesson from that. So now we've got them going through Ukraine, and we're concerned about the prospect of them going into one of the NATO countries, maybe Poland, because Poland is probably one of the closer ones to Ukraine. In fact, I think all, the, all of Ukraine on that side, the east side um, – no, the west side is, – uh, is NATO countries. So they could go into any number of places. And of course, Joe Biden in Europe is saying, look, you step into NATO countries, you're fucked. We're going to war. We're going to hit you with everything we got. And I understand that. You know, he's concerned about starting World War III by fighting in Ukraine. But if it's the same situation as as it was when... We were trying to hold them off from coming into Ukraine. Who's to say he's not going to take that same tact? I mean, he's in Ukraine. He's not doing very well. He's fucking failing miserably. What's he got to lose? And if he's sick and he's dying or something like that, maybe he doesn't give a shit about his family and he's willing to take a risk. Or he's failed so badly that he's... Not thinking properly. He's making emotional decisions as opposed to logical decisions, which people tend to do. I can't lose. I refuse to be wrong, so I'm just going to keep plugging forward. There's talk of chemical weapons. That's another step. And, of course, Joe Biden said, well, it's going to get really ugly if you use chemical weapons. And I don't know what that is, short of going into battle with Russia. So what I'm saying is if they're bombing places that are 15 miles away from the Polish border, shouldn't we be aware of this? Shouldn't we be starting to think about ways to deter them? Deter them before they go into Poland or one of these other countries? I mean, it's bad enough they're in Ukraine, a non-NATO country, but if they get into NATO, then all shit is going to break loose. Wouldn't you want to stop that? But there's a conundrum here, because if they go after him in Ukraine, the third world war may start. And then it's a matter of, is Vladimir Putin going to go to the nuclear card? Because if he is, then we're all fucked. It's a tough situation. And there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, we're going to be tough. We're going to go in there and kick their ass. But you got to think of the bigger picture. Ukraine is Ukraine, and it's a tragic thing. But if we have a nuclear war, that pretty much destroys the world. At that point, you're better off sacrificing Ukraine if you can be sure they won't go any farther, and then try to deal with them after the fact. Unfortunately, We don't know if he'll use nuclear weapons, and we don't know if he's going to go into the NATO countries. Now, President Zelensky thinks he is going to keep going. I think some Americans believe that he's going to keep going, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see if that's true. All right, excuse me. Next up, before the Russian invasion of Ukraine, we thought Russia I think everybody thought Russia would overwhelm them, overrun Ukraine. But, of course, that didn't happen. It didn't fucking happen. For whatever reason, everybody was fooled. Ukraine decided to fight it out, and they were way tougher than we thought. And Russia was way weaker than we thought. So that's weird. So Ukraine is fighting harder than anyone imagined, and Russia is weaker than anyone imagined. So then we hear that Russia wants the military in Belarus to enter the war. They're not feeling good about the Russian army. They think they need help. So they've got Belarus just north of Ukraine. They are allies to Russia, and they're trying to convince them to come into the war. In the beginning, they did stage some Russian vehicles and tanks and such in Belarus, so Belarus did Bow to them a little bit and allowed them access to their land, but now they want the military, their army, to come into Ukraine to help them out. But guess what? The Belarusian uh, military—they don't want any part of that. They don't want to get in that fucking shit. They see how bad it's going, and and Belarus does not want any part of it. So what does Vladimir Putin do? <laughs> He has the Russian army send some missiles into Belarus, and then he tried to blame it on Ukraine to make them mad and get them into the uh, the war, which is weird because Belarus is a ally of Russia. But Russia doesn't give a shit. As long as they get what they want, they'll bomb their friends just to make them mad, some friendly fire, um, some false flags, whatever you want to call it. That's what they were trying to do. But still... Belarus didn't want to enter into the war the president of Belarus did but the military was refusing to send their people in so then um, apparently the 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 uh, president of Belarus decided that he would switch out the officers uh, the Belarusian officers with Russian officers and make them send the people into uh, into Ukraine. Now I don't know what the status of that is. That'll probably take some time to do if in fact they do it at all. But they're trying really hard to get Belarus in this war. They need they need help. They're basically fucking losing and they're not feeling good about it, not at all. But here's the interesting thing. Now Russia is even asking China for military help. Really? Russia needs help from China. Now, here's what you need to know. Um, Now, China formed some sort of alliance uh, with Russia, you know, just prior to the invasion. I don't know what that was about. They met in China. They said, yeah, we're buddies now, and we will stand by each other no matter what. Yeah, okay. But they also said China said that they would support all sovereign nations, including Ukraine, and they would offer humanitarian support. Well, there's a problem. They're going to side with Russia, but they're going to stand up for sovereign nations like Ukraine and offer humanitarian support. So now Russia goes over to China and says, uh, we need your help in this war. Yeah, we're a big world power and Ukraine's kind of small, but they're tougher than we thought. So uh, we need a hand. Come on, China. Come on over. Now, China's in a bad spot. What do they do? Either way they go, they look like they're lying. If they say, no, we're not going to help you. We're going to stand by uh, Ukraine, then Russia's going to feel like they were lied to by China, and it's going to be embarrassing, and we know how Vladimir Putin does with embarrassing situations, so that's not good. But at the same time, they said they would stand by sovereign nations like Ukraine and offer humanitarian support, but now they're going to offer soldiers, weapons, and all kinds of things uh, to help Russia? They can't win in this situation. I know Joe Biden is going to be talking to uh, President Xi, uh to figure out what the fuck's going on and try to convince them not to help Russia. you gotta you got to understand the situation Russia's in. They came in planning for maybe a week of fighting. Now they're going into week three. They're running out of money. They're running out of resources. They've got bad morale with their soldiers. They're in fucking trouble. They're in real trouble. So they need help. They want help from Belarus. They want help from China. But nobody's really budging. I think people are seeing how this was such a dumb idea by Vladimir Putin. They don't want any part of it. I mean, had, had he made better plans and he was being successful in it, they might be willing to help. But they don't want any of that stink on them when it's all said and done. Because when it's over... Vladimir Putin's going to look like an idiot, like a fool, and probably like a criminal, and maybe um, suffer some international uh, investigations and international indictments at The Hague. Now, how they get him to go to The Hague, I don't know how that is, but nobody wants part of that. They don't want to be on the wrong side of history, so they're going to leave Vladimir Putin just twisting in the wind here. I've always said all along the only way we're going to end this war is to get rid of Vladimir Putin, make him no longer the president of Russia. And there's nothing Americans can do, there's nothing Europe can do to stop that, so it has to be somebody within Russia to do that. Not going to be the oligarchs, not going to be the government, the only thing that could possibly happen is somebody from the military getting tired of this and uh, getting upset and deciding they want to get rid of Vladimir Putin. And they're the ones to do it because they have the leadership of all the military, the guns and the weapons and those short sorts of things. Yes, Vladimir Putin is over them and is the uh, commander in chief, but uh, if they're going against him, what he says won't matter anymore. So that's where it's going to come from, if it comes at all. And I got my fingers crossed on this one, because those uh, sanctions are now taking hold in Russia. People are starting to struggle. Their money is worth nothing. Their um, their equivalent of the dollar, the ruble, is now worth one penny. So if you're buying, uh, like some of these people were buying trains tickets to get out of the country because Russia's falling apart, Well, now a three-hour train ticket to another country is costing like $10,000 because their money isn't worth fuck all. But people are coming up with the money, and they're trying to do it and trying to use it because they see the crash coming. So as more pressure gets on Russia, the people, the military, the uh, um, government, People are going to to get tired of it. Anytime you have a pain or an injury, you want to do whatever you can to fix it and make it feel better as quickly as possible. And most of these people will understand the only way to do that is get rid of Vladimir Putin. So we'll see if anything like that develops in Russia. We can only hope that it does because that's going to be the one chance. There's only two ways this can end, three ways. Vladimir Putin goes through Ukraine, takes it over. But even when he takes it over, he doesn't have the 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 power or the men and women to run the country. So they'll take it over. They'll destroy it. But then Ukrainians, if they come back, they'll still have their freedoms because there's no way that Vladimir Putin has enough power to uh, police that. So that's not going to be a win. Or maybe a NATO country or all NATO countries go in and blow them off the map. Uh, And there is no nuclear war. That could happen. But the big thing that's going to happen is the sanctions are going to take hold. People are going to be suffering immensely. And people in Russia are going to have to do something about it to alleviate the pain they're struggling with. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your one per month trial period at shopify.com/tech. All lowercase. That's shopify.com/tech.: We are hearing that Russia and Ukraine will be entering into some peace talks today. Now, both sides have claimed that there has been some progress, but I don't understand how that's even possible. You just look at Ukraine, you look at the fighting, doesn't look like there's any progress being made. That said, we know that Russia is asking for Ukraine to just do a flat-out surrender, give up. And at the minimum, give up claims to Crimea and to the two independent states in Donbass. Now, They already invaded uh, Crimea, and they pretty much control that, but they want Ukraine to acknowledge it. They also want Ukraine to acknowledge the uh, two independent states in Dubas. And here's the problem. Zelensky has already said, there's no way we're ever going to surrender. And there is no way we're going to give away any Ukrainian property to Russia. It's just not going to happen. Well, These are both non-starters for Ukraine. Zelensky has said as much. So where do you go from there? At that point, the only thing that can happen is that Russia will give in some. And uh, we know that they're not exactly good at giving in. And even if they act like they give in, they'll just lie and go against it. We've seen it every day of this war. They tell you one thing and then they do another. We're not going to invade, but they invade. We're not going to try to take over and occupy the country, but now they're trying to take over and occupy the country. Sure, let these green corridors open and let people go safely to uh, other countries. So what do they do? They fucking shoot the people in these green corridors. These people are liars. Well, Vladimir Putin anyway. Anything he says, you can't believe. He has no credibility. He has no integrity. Nobody is going to trust him. So when you're negotiating with somebody you can't trust, how do you do that? Well, the only way you can negotiate with somebody like that is set up uh, some safety valves to make sure they have to do what they say they're going to do. And if you can't get them to do that, well, then you don't agree to anything with them because they don't care about telling the truth. I mean, it's good that they're talking, but trying to negotiate with Russia has never been that easy. To negotiate, you need compromise. And like our Republicans, Russians want what they want when they want it, and nothing matters but that. There is never any compromise. This is one of the reasons why our Senate and Congress doesn't work. This is why everything is partisan. This is why the filibuster is such a pain. Republicans won't vote for anything the Democrats wants, and vice versa. The Senate is supposed to be the greatest deliberative body, which involves negotiation and compromise. But if you look at the Senate right now, we have none of that. None of it. So it's not the greatest deliberative body right now. And the same is going to be said for Ukraine and Russia. Russia's not going to give an inch. They never give an inch. They may act like it, but they'll lie about it, or they just will ignore it. And it doesn't sound like Zelensky's ready to give in at all, and and I can understand that. I mean, Zelensky's president of a country who's just sitting there, perfectly peaceful, everybody living well, doing their job, paying their bills. It wasn't a huge country, but it was... um, Essentially successful country. They weren't hurting anybody. In spite of what Russia says, there were no fucking Nazis. There was no genocide. Well, now there's genocide, but there wasn't any genocide that uh, Russia was claiming with Zelensky and his government. It was all made up shit just so they had a reason to go in and attack Ukraine. So you got two parties that are pretty steadfast in what they want. And uh, what they want is at opposite ends of the spectrum. Nobody's going to give an answer. I don't see President Zelensky saying, okay, you can have Dumbass. Okay, we'll surrender. That's just not going to happen. That's not who Zelensky is. And Russia saying, well, you know what, we'll just put our tail between our legs and we'll get on out of here. That's not likely he will do that either. The only thing working in this possible negotiation is the pressure that Vladimir Putin is suffering. Now, granted, Zelensky in Ukraine is suffering immense pressure, too, because of the attacks. But Vladimir Putin is in a position where he doesn't want to be. He's embarrassed. He doesn't know how to get out of it without looking like a coward. And so he's stuck. Does that mean he pushes forward? Does that mean he pulls out? Is he concerned about the military in Russia trying to just take him out? Sure, he's worried about that. That's probably the biggest thing he worries about. That's the only way he was ever going to be taken out of there. If the military has had enough. Now, you have to understand what he did to the military. He fucking lied to him. He brought these troops to Ukraine and says, we're going to do some training exercises. Next thing you know, he's in there. And uh starting a war and killing people, people who were largely friendly to Russia, there are people in Russia that has families in Ukraine, and uh, people in Ukraine that have families in Russia. They were brother or sister countries. There was no reason to fight with them, and as much as uh Vladimir Putin is trying to gaslight the people. In Russia, to make them believe that he is a freedom fighter and going after the Nazis and people that are committing genocide in Ukraine, people are finding out differently. The information is getting through, video is getting through, and the tide is changing with the people of Russia. And you're seeing people by the thousands in Russia. Out there protesting, which is a dangerous situation. They've got like 14,000 people in jail right now, and they passed a new law that if you start talking about war or invasion when it comes to Russia and Ukraine, you can be convicted of a crime with a penalty of 15 years, just for saying war and invasion. They're trying real hard to keep this away from the citizens of Russia, But they're not having much luck. I mean, this is the information age. There's all kinds of ways of getting information. It's not like shutting down the radio and TV stations. There are ways to get it. Even if you want to mess with the Internet, there are ways you can get information. It's just impossible to gaslight people now. Somebody will find out, and it will spread like wildfire. And that's what's happening in Russia. So now they're in peace talks. We've had two peace talks before this. And as I mentioned before, in one of those peace talks, they agreed to have special sections in Ukraine that were left open and safe for Ukrainians to escape the country. Russia agreed on this. But again, what I said, what they did is, as soon as people were going down that allegedly safe strip to get out of the country, what does Russia do? They fucking start shooting. They start killing people. It was like a fucking trap. So I don't understand how these negotiations are going to go. I don't even know why you do them. Because you can't negotiate with Russia. And Zelensky and Ukraine is not going to step back from what they want. This is uh, a head-to-head battle, and there doesn't seem to be any room for compromise. So, I mean, we'll see what the fuck happens, but uh, I'm not... Counting on anything important. We might hear some things, but whether they come to fruition or not, I'm not so sure. So did you hear about this? The White House gave a Ukraine war briefing (laughs) to 30 TikTok creators the other day. Yeah, They all got on the phone with these 30 TikTok creators and gave them a briefing of what's going on in Ukraine. First off, nobody fucking called me. Not one fucking person. Apparently, I don't have enough followers, but uh, they didn't call me. But I don't, and, and you know, people will make a lot of jokes about having TikTokers in with the White House and trying to come up with information about the uh, Ukrainian war. But, I, you know, I don't think it's a bad idea necessarily. This sounds kind of crazy, but Russia uses social media to send out disinformation, information. We know they do that all the time. Facebook especially, we know they did it in 2016. We knew they did it in 2020, and we knew it was effective. So it kind of makes sense that the U.S. would use social media to disseminate the truth. Now, TikTokers aren't all just thirst traps, dancers, and lip-syncers. There are some that are very credible reporters on TikTok. I watch them all the time. There's people who know what they're talking about and deliver the news as if it's facts. And generally, it is facts. And that's hard enough to find in our regular media. There's even TikTokers that are coming directly from Ukraine. They're running live feeds from Ukraine during the war. Well, that's immensely valuable you got people talking about it, giving commentary, giving information, giving facts and figures, and actual video footage of what is going on in Ukraine. I don't think most of us in the United States even understand what it would be like to be in a city that's under attack uh, with missiles and bombs and guns and all that sort of thing. We cry and whine about having to wear a mask or having the lockdowns during covid but that ain't shit. Try to be in a town after it, when it's under siege and people are firing on you. It's almost hard to imagine. It really is hard to imagine. So uh, it's good to be able to see that kind of stuff. The important fact to remember is that uh, some of these creators, with literally millions of followers, have bigger audiences than a lot of news agencies. I mean, literally, there are people on TikTok that have more viewers, more followers than what you might see on, oh, I don't know, CNN or something like that. I don't know how it all breaks out, and I don't know if you can compare the two, because people still strongly rely on uh, mainstream media, the network news channels, the uh, terrestrial news channels. And uh, they're still getting a lot of information from that. But we know that with Russia, using social media was quite effective. So we might as well use it as well. And TikTok is as good a place as any. It's one of the newer platforms, and it's the one where you see the most people and most activity. It gives you the option of the lives and such. So I don't think it's such a crazy idea that they call in tiktokers and try to keep them informed so they can go on tiktok and give real information i mean vladimir putin and the russians spend a lot of time a lot of effort a lot of money uh, putting out propaganda putting out rhetoric putting out lies so we as a, a country that wants to get the truth out we might as well use social media too and that's uh that's what we're doing This is the world we live in right now. You have to understand it. Social media is quickly starting to control the narrative. These are sources that are not controlled by any large company or wealthy people. And this is probably a good thing. You know, for decades and decades, I've watched news on television. There's been a vast difference between the 60s and 70s and what we have now. I've said it before. There is no such thing as journalism. Journalism is very simple. People just giving you the facts, allowing you to make your own decisions. Now, when you watch mainstream media, whether it be the far left, far right, somewhere in the middle, there's always some kind of tilt to it. There's always some kind of opinion. And uh, back in the days when I was training to go into broadcasting and maybe thinking about doing news and watching the news on television, The absolute last thing you wanted to incorporate into a newscast, if you were a true journalist, was opinion. Now, there were other kinds of features in newscasts that were specifically opinion. And they did put those out there, but they were very particular about saying, this is an opinion piece. And so, now you don't get that. Everything has some opinion in it. Everything has some slant to it. And when that occurs, there's a good chance you aren't getting all the information. You aren't necessarily getting the facts. So if we can have some social media out there, while there is no control or no no leverage over them to tell the truth, if you can do your best by getting the truth out to those folks and hope against hope that that's what they'll deliver, then they can do some good. I mean, we have... Millions, maybe billions of people on TikTok. So there's a chance to reach a lot of people when you've got 30 TikTokers who maybe have anywhere from 1 to 5 million followers. You're going to hit a big crowd there. And that's something they should think about with the midterms coming up, too. Using social media to get the information out. One of the problems, of course, with Democrats is uh, messaging. They have trouble repeating and continuing to put out their successes like the Republicans do. So, well, maybe, maybe then what we do is we enlist social media, people on TikTok, people on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, enlist them to deliver the information that the Democrats want delivered. Now, I'm not talking about commercials, and I'm not talking about lies and bullshit and propaganda, Pure facts. That's the biggest problem. we got a lot of people out there that don't know the facts. They believe what they want to believe, and they ignore the facts. So the only thing you can do is keep putting it out, repetition, and keep pounding on it until it becomes part of the narrative, exactly what the Republicans do. And if Democrats can't do it, and if Joe Biden can't do it, and clearly they've showed us they can't or won't, then using the social media may not be a bad idea. I mean, I'm going to do what I do regardless whether they fucking call me or not. They should have called me, but I don't have a big enough audience, so that's probably why. But if they utilize this properly and they treat people properly and you give them the respect they deserve given their positions and uh, use their platform to get out the information that needs to get out, assuming they're willing to do it, that's going to be hugely valuable to the Democratic Party, and it's going to fill void in their strategy. They have a problem with with the messaging. Well, I'll tell you what, you get some TikTokers, they have no problems with messaging. They specialize in fucking messaging. So you might as well utilize them. And we'll see what happens. So when you hear the TikTokers are talking to the White House, don't laugh. Don't laugh. It's a good idea. And I'm glad to see the Democrats starting to be a little creative for once. Now, at the beginning of the Russian invasion of uh, Ukraine, you remember the videos we were seeing? You were seeing Russian soldiers who had been captured by Ukraine. They were now prisoners of war. They had their helmets off, their masks off, and you could see there were just very young men and women, innocent kids who apparently were fooled When they were sent into Ukraine, they thought they were doing training exercises. At least that's what we're told. They go into Ukraine. They get captured. And now they're upset because they were fooled. They were lied to. There is no food. There is no resources of any kind, weapons or or, uh, ammo or gas or water or whatever. So these people are upset. And as they're being captured, you see their faces and they're scared. And we're all kind of empathetic with these Russian soldiers. You know, Vladimir Putin's a bad guy, but those Russian soldiers, they're just good kids. And maybe some of those kids are good kids, and maybe they are scared. That wouldn't surprise me. But I want you to remember something. Don't get fooled all the way on this situation. Yes, there's going to be some young kids. There's going to be kids that are scared and... uh, Regret going into the service, but they had no choice, and then regret going to Ukraine again, they had no choice. As much as there are kids like that out there seemingly innocent, there are some other news coming out that we need to acknowledge, too. I've been hearing stories about Russian soldiers going down residential streets, just shooting random civilians for no fucking reason. Even though Vladimir Putin told us they are not going for civilian targets, you've got Russian soldiers going down residential streets, picking off people in their fucking yard or in their house. There's one story about some woman. She's a teacher. She's out in her yard tending to her garden. Uh, a Russian soldier come by comes by and just shoots her for no fucking reason. Here's what you need to understand. There might be some innocent kids on the Russian side of the military. But there are some fucking monsters out there, too. There are people out there committing atrocities, killing innocent people, killing innocent children, destroying buildings, churches, hospitals, daycares, kindergartens. These people do not deserve any empathy. They are fucking monsters. And they're monsters like their leader vladimir putin yes there might be some cute young kids that feel bad and are scared but there's a lot of fucking monsters in ukraine doing unspeakable things i heard a tiktok and it was interesting because it seems to be a radio um, transmission between two soldiers on the ground someplace and they're talking back and forth maybe maybe they're back one's back in russia one's in Ukraine. And he's basically bragging about going into houses, shooting people, having sex with the women, doing whatever they want to do, and stealing money and stealing all this shit. We know from our own experience in America, there are some fucked up people. It just happens to be they're labeled Republicans or Trumpicans in this country. But there are people that are not good people. And some of those people, a lot of those people, are in the Russian military. It's not all just quiet, sad, scared kids. There are some fucking animals going through Ukraine, and they are committing unspeakable crimes. The amount of war crimes that are being committed in in uh, Ukraine is absolutely fucking appalling. I mean, this is almost not a war. It is almost a genocide. You know, people make the comparison between... Vladimir Putin and Hitler, and people say, well, you can't do that. He killed 6 million Jews and all of this stuff. And I get that. You know, there is a difference between them. But the mindset is the same. The mindset is, I go into a country, I kill people because I don't believe they deserve to live. And that is the mindset of Vladimir Putin. That was the mindset of Hitler. Now, I'm not going to say that Vladimir Putin is worse or as bad as Hitler, But he's as bad as we've fucking seen as of late, at least things that we've been involved in. There are other dictators around the world that committed genocide in huge numbers. And Vladimir Putin is one of those people who have done it in his own country and now doing it in Ukraine. There is no room for sympathy when it has anything to do with the Russian military and Vladimir Putin. I don't care who they interview, I don't care who's upset and scared, they are all coming into this country looking to destroy it and kill everybody they see. Those are war crimes, and those need to be dealt with properly. And this is, you know, this is where we go back to the whole situation about America and Europeans getting involved to stop this, stop this genocide. That would be the natural thing for people to do. And then having the concern about, well, if we do, then we're in World War III and then the whole world's at risk. It is a catch-22. I understand Joe Biden and the European countries are in a tough position. They've got to sit and watch the destruction and the deaths and feel like they can't do anything. Well, that's all on Russia. They're the ones holding up the nuclear weapons as a threat if we get involved. We're just going to kick people's asses here. We're going to kill people, but you better not come in because we've got these nuclear warheads. So there's got to be another another step for Americans and NATO countries. We can't just sit by and watch this shit. And I understand we don't want World War III, but this is getting ridiculous. And if Vladimir Putin has some success in Ukraine, gets a little head up, gets a little cocky, and decides, I'm going into Poland too, the shit's going to blow up anyway. And as I was saying before, wouldn't it be better to stop it before it happened, until waiting till after it happened? That's what we did with the invasion. It wasn't a good choice. Now we have to sit and wait and see if he's going to go into a NATO country. We either need somebody in Russia to pull Vladimir Putin out and make things easier for Russians and the rest of the world. Or somebody needs to go in and kick their ass and just wipe them out and risk the possibility of a nuclear war. Um, Because the effects of that, that, you're not going to come back from that. It's done. It's over if that's what we do. And that's what everybody's fearful of. So don't feel sorry for any Russian soldiers. They're all fucking animals. You know, it's kind of the same thing as I say about Republicans. I say Republicans are insurrectionists. They're criminal. They're corrupt. They're all the worst people in the world. There will be some people say well I'm not like that I'm a Republican but I'm not like that yeah but the majority of Republicans are like that we know that's the case so if you are still affiliated with the Republican Party you're part of that group and you're just as bad as they are same for the Russian military there might be some good young kids that are scared but there's enough of the monsters out there that the whole military is a fucking problem and needs to be exterminated so It's unfortunate you can't give anybody a break. Otherwise, they'll just run you over. And in the case with Russia, they'll just fucking kill you. And I'm getting tired of watching it, especially with the little kids and the innocent people and the old people. Vladimir Putin has no regard for human life. He does not care about anything. He only cares about his own situation, his own enrichment. He's got his family off in some fucking extravagant bunker in Switzerland or Serbia or wherever the fuck it is. They're protected. So maybe this is a good time to do something with Vladimir Putin. Somebody needs to do it. Apparently, there's two things that everybody is waiting for in America and Russia that we can't wait till it happens. And many of us think it will never happen. Number one, Vladimir Putin gets taken out. Number two, Donald Trump gets indicted. I don't know how it's all going to shake out, but I tell you what, when we look back five years ago, or five years ahead of time, and we look back at the likes of Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump, we may be surprised because what's going to be left of them then, if there's anything left of them, is going to be so little, so shameful, that those two humans are going to be destroyed in this world. Maybe not by death, but by power, by money, and by perception. These two will not wear well in history. And uh, their families are going to live in shame for a long time because they will be the worst of the worst. And it will be taught in history classes as such. All right. We're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. Again, I want to thank you for spending time with me. It's much appreciated. Questions, comments, or complaints, send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Go to anchor.fm, look for the Rational Boomer podcast, leave me a voicemail. Love hearing from you, and I'm starting to hear from more and more of you, and I'm very excited about that. So, You have a great day, a great start to the week. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.